I mean, I just thought of this on the way in, actually, is that um, it was 20 years ago that I actually got saved. Uh, yeah, 20, 20 years. I'm getting pretty old. In 2001, um, got saved. And uh, uh, so there was, uh, we had, used to have an East Equippers, and uh, we were meeting in Point England Primary School, and they had a launch on a Saturday night. And um, I was quite lost um, and just wanted to meet somewhere. Um, people kept inviting me to church. I kept saying yes with no intention of showing up. And then on the Saturday, I went in, and there were about 200 people there. And um, it amazed me because, you know, I lost 23-year-old, went in there and got saved. I was the only one that responded um, on, that, on that night. But the unity in that place, I didn't think about this at the time, but the unity, you know, people rallying together, believing for someone to come and respond to Jesus, blessed me. Blessed me and blessed my family. And then my wife, Beck, she eventually came. And then my sister and different ones. Um, and then our whole family's been blessed um, because of the unity of people having a, a vision to see others reach for Jesus. And so I'm really grateful um, for uni- un- people being unified um, I've been blessed, but obviously at the time I didn't think about any of that stuff. I'm just thinking about it now in hindsight. Um, but just to think what's going to happen from here, um, just even with Shout Conference around the corner, just so many stories of people that we journeyed with and their kids and, and, and these generations rising up. Um, but the unity, is we all know, is that we, that's where God combines a blessing. And, uh, and it's a blessing that is generational. But unity doesn't just happen, eh? <laughs> uh, because it's a shared responsibility. It's, it's like many, many voices becoming one voice. It's like your voice, your voice, that annoying person's voice, that jerk's voice. Where everyone's voice becoming one voice to express this unity in, in Jesus um, and so often, like in life, and whether it be in a marriage or in family or in church or your workplace or at school, um, in a team, whatever it is, um, often what I believe is breaks down unity is just life stuff, um, conflicts, little things that come in um, that would really test, test us in order for us to see this unity come to place. And, uh, you know, we're unified. It's the theme of Shout Conference. And what I want to share uh, with you today, I'm hopeful that it will just enable us to deal with the internal things that we all face so that unity is from the inside out. And it's a good thing when everything's going well. I've never been to a Shout Conference that has failed. It's always been a great time. (laughs) But in life, there have been things that sometimes don't go so well. Um, And it's our response in those times. Our response when things are tough, things are hard, things are a challenge. Um, Those are the times where unity can really rise and come to the fore. It's how we respond in adversity and the challenges that we face in life. Who knows that life presents us challenges and it's in those times, there's a saying that says this, I don't have an anger problem so long as no one makes me angry. <laughs> but we all know it gets tested 
Life tests us. And then what comes out of us, that could be, those could be the ingredients that form unity. Or they can be the ingredients that bring division or, or, or brings unforgiveness or brings um, conflict that is unresolved or all these different things. And um, there's, a, there's a great story in the Bible which I want us to, to turn to. Um, and it's uh, a man, um, uh, about a man by the name of Paul. If you're new to church, um, this guy, he's phenomenal. He used to be a um, pretty bad guy. He used to like go around and harass not just harass, that sounds like, you know, I'm just going to whip people with a tea towel or something, but uh, no, he used to like, you know, persecute people and, um, you know, did horrible, horrible things. He was, he was known as Saul. Um, but then he became Paul and he's this inspiring man who, who pretty much dealt with any, anything horrible that he'd been through. He's been through it a hundred times more, um, but has been able to maintain something in him uh, that is sweet in his spirit. And this story is, um, the context of the story is that he is um, on a boat, he is a prisoner, and they're on their way to Italy, so he's in handcuffs, he's, he's probably not, not in a place you want to be, right? You know, other people telling you what to do, and, and uh, you're a prisoner, different things, and, and on top of that, he is in a place where he knows something bad's going to happen. Uh, so he has a a prophetic word where he knows that this boat that they're on is, is going to get shipwrecked. Something, something bad is going to happen. It says this in Acts 27, verse 10, 11. It says, men, he said, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. So this, this is not good. Um, shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. Now listen to this. But the officer in charge goes, yeah, nah. <laughs> officer in charge of the prisoners, listen more to the ship's captain and the owner then to Paul. So they're on this boat. He knows they're going to be shipwrecked. He tells them, but they still continue on, and he's stuck uh, with, this, with this group of people that are going to face a disaster. And it's amazing. It just goes to show sometimes you can, be, you can do the right thing but still be, feel like you're in the wrong place. And he's landed with these guys, and, uh, and then, of course, all this happens. And the storms at that time, they, they were, these were not just like little, little waves, um, but a lot, often storms would last for weeks. You know, they did lose their cargo. They, you know, starving, haven't eaten for, for a long period of time. It's, it's pitch black. Um, and, and they go through this horrible experience. Um, but Paul, what I like about Paul is that even though he'd warned them, he didn't, he didn't go, oh, yeah, well, yeah, you should listen to me. Come on, mate. You know, like he didn't do that. Um, he, he became a beacon of hope in their dark time, even though they didn't listen to him. Even though they didn't listen to him. Um, and he, he says this in Acts 27, verse 34. He says, please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair on your heads will perish. So he becomes a beacon of hope in this time of darkness, of disaster. And, and he decides that he's going to rally and do something and serve, even though they're in a position that wasn't his fault. And they get through this shipwreck experience. And then it goes on from there, and they land on an island called Malta. And I just want to read this passage here. It says this, Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. I just said that. 
The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, who loves being in New Zealand, there's no no snakes, um, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. These are horrible people, eh? They, they don't help. You don't want to be drowning in a pool with these people. They'll just watch you drown. So a murderer, no doubt, just throwing judgments, okay? Poor suffering, and they need to do like a first aid course and, and think of how to help. Anyway, though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. So they're standing around just watching this whole thing unfold. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire, and he was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. These people are terrible. (laughs) None of these people are invited to shout conference. Um, But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. These people watched. They watched for his response when he was bitten. And that's really the title of the message is you can be bitten but not poisoned. You can be bitten but not poisoned. And that Paul, he had this um, tenacity because this, this is actually, this is small potatoes really being bitten by a snake. If you look at the context of, of Paul's life, you know, shipwrecked, in prison, um, starving, you know, he's been, he's been literally dragged out of town are beaten within an inch of death. And then what he gets up and he goes back into that same town he got told to, to get out of. He gets up, he preaches the next day. The good news, there'll be a funny picture. Probably like all like bandaged up. You know, head injuries, like in a wheelchair coming out. And it was like, good news. <laughs> Jesus loves you. No, this guy, he had this tenacity. He went through these horrible things. He'd, um, he'd been beaten so many times, tortured, starved, whipped, left for dead. But even though he went through all these different things, it never poisoned his spirit. It never, it never got in here. Where it affected him internally. He had this laser-like focus on the purpose. He knew who he was. And he knew what his message was. It's as though his, his phrase would be this, it would be like he says, you attack me all you like, but you'll never defeat me. You can attack my body, you can attack me in every way possible, but you will still not defeat me because I know who's with me. So this little snake's nothing. So I ah, shake it off. No, I, I freak out with even cockroaches. No, ah, no, it's like snake. Yeah, shake it off. I'll get, yeah, I'll get bitten, but I'm not going to be poisoned by this. Yeah. Who knows life can bite you? <laughs> life can bite you. Many different ways that life can bite you. What, what, what do you mean here? It's like, well, you, know, what, what, you can be bitten by disappointment. Yeah, you can be bitten by an offense. Or you can be bitten by heartache, rejection, abandonment. Unforgiveness, you know, bitten by unanswered prayers. 
No, bitten by rejection, fear, bitten by anger. But it's, and it's okay to be bitten. It's, it's actually okay to be bitten. But it's when we allow that bite to, to bring poison into our lives, that's when it becomes a hard issue. I was catching up with a friend, and they had an opportunity, and he felt it was a God opportunity, and um, he didn't, the opportunity didn't, didn't go his way, and it was 90% there, and we're just chatting, and he was, oh, I could tell he was disappointed, but he didn't want to say that he was disappointed. I was like, hey, man, it's okay to be disappointed. There's nothing wrong with it. It's okay to be bitten. We don't, we don't like to be bitten, but it's when we allow it to bring venom into our hearts. It's when we allow it to come and become an internal issue in our lives. Imagine how unified we'd be as God's people if everyone could deal with the bites that life brings. If everyone can deal internally talk through the things that, that are a challenge or things that we face. I wonder how many people have allowed some kind of poison to fracture their heart, their destiny and purpose. I wonder how many ideas, how many business ideas have been thwarted because someone's disappointment poisoned what God had for them. I wonder how many churches have split because someone could not deal because life bites. <laughs> Everyone knows. We go through challenges. We go through um, things that we face. But it's about how we deal with them. There's three things I want to share, three things that happen when we get poisoned. Um, this is from all my research, which was half an episode on discovery while eating cornflakes. Um, literally, apparently these are things that happen when you get bitten by a snake. The first thing is... Um, Paralysis. You get paralyzed. You, you no longer move. Imagine the movement when no one moves. Because <laughs> there's a whole lot of stuck people. Hebrews 12 says, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this, how do we do this? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shape. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, Jesus actually, he modeled this on the cross. He... He expressed his humanity. It amazes me that in his last few words, he says, God, why have you forsaken me? Why, why have you, basically, man, why, why have you let go of me? Why have you abandoned me? You know, he was bitten. But he was able to fulfill everything. Everything on that cross that he did, nothing poisoned his purpose. He was able to continue right to the very point for each and every one of us. It amazes me that his internal world was still intact. That he was able to do this. 
And I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I just get a little bit stuck. Oh, Pastor Sam knows this. I get a bit stuck sometimes. I, I, I used to, I remember we were here, like um, Pastor Sam said, we had East Equippers. I was pastoring there for a bit. And then um, we, we joined together um, with the city at the time. And then um, Sam will come and say, oh, there's an opportunity over here. And I was like, no, 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 no thanks. It's all right. And go, okay, that's cool. And then, but a little bit later, oh, there's an opportunity over here to pass a church over here. I was like, oh, no thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'll stay here. I just want to be here. And then later on, I'm like, man, you're persistent, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and just kept. You know, bring it up, and then Bruce as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was bitten by Bruce. <laughs> uh, he just challenged me. He said, oh, hey, there's an opportunity past the church in Thames. And, and I said, oh, no, no thanks. <laughs> and he goes, why not? And then I, I didn't expect the why not. I was, I was, oh, I wasn't ready for a good spiritual answer. So I just said, oh, I've got, got a baby on the way. And he said, oh, that's not a good reason. That's, that's not, there's no faith in that. And then he just dropped the mic and walked out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I was really challenged. And, and then it was just in my own time, you know, it was in my own time with God. I said, hey, what's really going on here? Yeah, it's like you you're stuck, you're just you're paralyzed. What's, what's really going on in my life? And I realized I was disappointed. I, I, was, I, was, I felt I'd failed, you know, because some things didn't go the way that I, I envisioned it to go. And, it, and there's nothing wrong with it, like I said. We can be bitten, but the thing is, I allowed it to keep me from stepping into the thing that God had called me to do. And, and how do we know? Here are some things that, that kind of tell us. Some, I guess they're like little alarm bells that tell us if we are stuck. First thing is this, you dwell on the past rather than live in the present. Second, you always come back to the same issue. It's like you go around, around the mountain and come back, same issue. Here's another thing. It's as though God becomes a has-been God. It's like all your glory days are behind you. Nothing in front of you anymore. You're stuck. You're in survival mode. You know, I used to pray. I used to dream. I used to go to church. I used to serve. I used to share my faith. But instead of thriving, we're just surviving. I say, hey, what's the solution? Well, Go again. Go again. I love Peter. Man, Peter did some dumb things. Man, Peter got dressed down by Jesus big time in front of all his friends. Get behind me, Satan. That's embarrassing. Get behind me, Satan. That would have, they would have gone on about that for, for weeks. You know, you know he got bitten. <laughs> but he would have missed the day of Pentecost if he didn't go again. The birth of the early church would have been missed. It's like, oh, man, he called me the devil. Man, that guy. Allow that poison. Man, Jesus, he could have done that privately. You know, just go in the counseling room and call me a devil there. 
Second thing that happens, we can hallucinate. Hallucination, we'll just put this quote up here. Hallucination is an experience that appears real, but only exists in your mind. Um, to hallucinate, we begin to believe a distorted view of the truth. We, and then it shapes our decisions. You know, and it shapes how we view ourselves. It actually shapes our value. We no longer see our true value. Because I know a lot of people say, oh, you can't handle the truth or speak truth like being, speak straight. You know what? Truth to me is very liberating when it's God's truth. Every time I've experienced this truth, it's actually lifted and freed me and liberated me. It hasn't been a telling off. <laughs> Speaking truth when it's God's truth. That's why Jesus said, you know, the truth will set you free. Brings freedom to our lives. It's very liberating, very freeing. And it changes us, transforms us. So when Bex and I, Bex is my wife, we've been married 19 years now. It's a miracle. Um, and you know when we first got together, I was, I was so laid back, I was horizontal, really. She made all the decisions while I played PlayStation. Not anyone like that around. And I, I didn't want to make decisions. I, I didn't want to deal with things in life. Um, because I grew up in a culture and my family was, no, we don't talk about issues and we don't go there. And, uh, and then, you know, I had to grow up, <laughs> become a man, start making decisions Start with little decisions, like what are we having for dinner? No, just. But a lot of a lot a lot of what God's word, the truth, it, it got rid of this distorted, this lie that was distorting my perspective. Where we just sweep things under the carpet, we don't deal with things. Oh yeah, I don't have to make any decisions. I just play PlayStation. And then the truth actually shaped me. And then it caused me to see outside of my family culture that was shaping my thoughts. And I was like, well, actually, God's truth says, no, we, no we, there's a lot more in life. No, he, he, can, he can equip us and make some amazing decisions that, that move us forward. We can lead our families. We can lead in our marriages. We can do these different things because God's truth is able to get rid of those things that poison our perspective. And here's the last thing is that when we are poisoned, we can bleed internally. We start to bleed internally. Now, the problem with this is that you could look fine <laughs> on the outside, but on the inside, we're hemorrhaging. There's a, there's a wound no one else can see. No one else can see it. We could be bleeding inside because we no longer have faith, no longer believe, don't feel that we can share with anyone else around us. You know, Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. This is really what we're talking about, it's about guarding your heart. And those things that can come, life bites, can come and hit us here. Um, my dad, he's, my dad passed away a few years ago. 
And uh, it's actually his birthday today. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> and uh, he, if you know anything about him, he, he's, he never, he, he didn't express himself very well. He'd never say, I love you. Nothing like that. He's just not that kind of person or, you know, felt awkward um, expressing himself. And never shared from his life, really. Didn't know much about him. We talk about sports, you know, really trivial things. And um, anyway, he got really sick. This was years ago. I was in Bible college at the time. And he was really sick. And so I was praying and some, some good people in, in our church were praying too. And they said, hey, we're going to fast with you. We're going to believe for your dad's healing. And um, so we, we did that. And so I said to my dad, I said, hey, I'm really believing for you to get healed physically. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> it's kind of very casual about it. And so we fasted, we prayed, and went over. Here's this man, and he never, he never shares anything. And so went over, went over home, and, and he was there. And I said, Dad, I want to pray for you. I'm just going, I'm going to lay hands on you, and I'm just going to pray. I'm going to believe for you to get healed. And and so I prayed for him. I laid hands on him. And you know, after I, I, I prayed, the first thing he said was this. He said, You know, I cried every night in boarding school for my mum when, when she when she died because she died when he was seven years old I cried every night in boarding school for my mum now this might not seem like a big deal to you but what it was is that this 50 year old man was sharing a wound that happened when he was seven years old God brought this wound to the surface got a man who never says boo. I'll tell you why he never said boo. The day that his mother died, he was put on a boat to leave Tonga. He's from Tonga. And put on a boat to come to New Zealand. And he was told by his auntie, you're not allowed to cry. And remember, you can be bitten. You're not allowed to grieve. You're not allowed to cry. If you do, you'll be in trouble. And then years and years and years and years and years later, God came and he brought this wound, a seven-year-old boy, this wound was brought to the surface. What does this say to, to me? What does it say to you? It says that God wants to heal wounds. There's a wound. There's someone with a wound in here from many, many years ago. God wants to heal that wound today. He wants to heal that wound. He doesn't want you to be paralyzed. He doesn't want us to be stuck doesn't want us to have a distorted view, doesn't want us to be bleeding internally. Oh, people don't understand me. What what Pastor Sam said, he said, God is our helper. He's our helper. It's okay to be bitten. But what we're saying right now is nothing's going to poison. Nothing's going to poison my spirit. God's going to heal. In fact, things may be the same, but my perspective has shifted. So Father, we thank you right now. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Come right now, heal in the name of Jesus.